0: Welcome to our show Perspective. This is episode nine and we are grateful and delighted to have each of you tuning in with us. As always, we have a very great show, impactful show tonight, and we do hope that you take the time to share this show, tag people in it, because it's definitely going to be something as always that you can benefit from. And as always, let me give a shout out to our guests from last week. That was Jasmine Stinson and Anthony Sparks. And if you missed last week's show, I do encourage you to go back and look at it. We started our new series, which will take place on the fourth Monday of every month, Mental Mo- Monday. And we had a great discussion on last week. So I encourage you to um, pull that up and it will uh, greatly provide some enlightening information. Well, without further ado, I'm excited about tonight's show and our guest is with us. Let we'll go ahead and bring her into our virtual studio so we can get this thing rolling. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Jamal.
1: How are you? Great. Good.
0: And for those in Birmingham, Angela needs no introduction. Um, she served as a broadcaster. She's worked in full-time ministry. She's worked with the plethora of organizations. She just wears many hats. And we are um excited to talk to her tonight in a new role as an author. So I'm delighted to have you. And as a side note. I met Angela, I think I was about 12 or
1: 13. You were a little young <laughs> child. <laughs> yes. And just it, as talented then as you are now.
0: Yes. That means a lot. And everybody that meets Angela, what I'm about to say, you probably will agree with. Angela's the type of person when you come in her presence, she just has a lasting impact.
1: Thank you. Um, so
0: Thank you. Relationship we've. Um, kept. She's always been the person when I've had my productions, a go-to person that I needed that. So she's always been helpful. So we're definitely delighted to get this conversation started tonight. So life gets better. i mm-hmm. tell you, I read this book twice. It is <laughs> really, it's mind-blowing and it's something in it for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Telling people what, is, what was the inspiration behind you writing this book?
1: Yes. So the inspiration came out of pain Um, back in 2010. I went through an unexpected divorce and started blogging just as a way to get my emotions out, to keep me sane, to get me out of trouble, to take those thoughts and put them onto paper. And I did that and decided, let me do something with this. So about 10 years later, I decided to compile all of those blog posts or most of them and to a book. Um, and as you said, it really for me, it came out of what I experienced through divorce. But because of divorce, I you know, lost money and credit and friendships and health issues. So it, it really does have something for everybody in there.
0: And then second, let me applaud you for being transparent. I really believe that we're living in a time now where transparency, that's what's going to get to the core. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm whether you're just talking to a person, encouraging them, trying to pull them out of a not good situation. So transparency, how important would you say that it is that we are just transparent to people?
1: It's important. Like it happened. So here's how I look at it. I need to write my own narrative, whatever in life happens, people know about it. And so the courage to share it with other people, to use it for good, even out of pain to look for God in the middle of it, to try to find something funny out of it. Um, We owe it to ourselves. It's like not taking out the garbage when life happens and stuff piles up on you. It stinks. So I needed to get it out. And so I can't help but tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth to get it off of me. But also because I recognize I'm not the only person who's experienced the things in life that I've experienced. And so being transparent for me is the best way for me to move forward, to that life gets better.
0: Absolutely. And so before we get started in the discussion of the book, because I definitely, um, it's so many layers, but they're just um, that we have to discuss tonight. For that person that's watching tonight, and then let me just um, go back for a moment. This book couldn't have come out at a better time. Mm -hmm. It came out in a time when we're um, facing two pandemics, as I like Mm -hmm. to say, COVID-19. Mm -hmm. in our country, Um, police brutality, Mm -hmm. liberal unrest, discrimination, just a lot. And I think now in the position where we are, a lot of people that are working from home, some are laid off, not having that normal routine of schedule. This is the, I don't even call it a book. I call it like a self-help guide or workbook. Yeah, yeah. so what better time to actually put something out? Tell us, basically, was this supposed to be the original lunch date or actually what was the position behind the lunch
1: <laughs> So the, the cover of it is me as a baby. And that's because um, it was not supposed to be the original launch date. I wanted a fancy picture. I wanted my hair done. And <laughs> I, it, the other book would have been the cover would have been everything. But when the pandemic happened, I was like, no, this needs to get out now. Let me just find some picture. And it worked out perfectly. But no, it was not the original date. But you mentioned, I mean, we're in the middle of two pandemics, social unrest and COVID-19. And so I was sitting on all of these writings that were just sitting there. The book had been completed for months and months prior to when it was released um, this summer. And in the middle of the pandemic, as I'm working from home, trying not to scream because I'm cooking three meals a day and I don't want to, and I'm working from home and I'm working harder from home than I did at work and I'm still sitting on this book. And I decided to release it um, because I knew people would be home, a captive audience. Uh, But I also knew that the things that were in there are applicable not just to what I went through 10 years ago up until now, but we're in the middle of a time where we need a reminder that life gets better, no matter what happens, life gets better. And so, yeah, that other cover would have been "Mm, mm, mm," but it had to get out when it had to get out. So I I remixed things and got it out um, in the middle of where we are now.
0: But I really think the picture um, of you as a baby girl really speaks to the nature of the book. It really does. So great choice on that okay let's start talking about some of the things and i guarantee you we're not going to talk about everything we definitely want you to purchase the book but just um a few things that are mentioned first thing i want to mention is forgiveness mm-hmm. i know we hear that over and mm-hmm. over and over again and somebody watching like okay why did he have to say that first mm-hmm. feel like it was coming, but why did that have to be the first thing kind of talk about in your own perspective mm-hmm. You had to get to that place where you could say, okay, Angela, you don't have to forget, but you've got to forgive. And just talk about how big of a role forgiveness has played in your life.
1: It's huge. And it's not, um, I've been on both sides of forgiveness. And I write about that in the book. I wasn't the best of friends in high school. I did some crazy stuff. I, you know, wasn't the best of children, especially to my daddy. Sorry, daddy. Um, <laughs> I was spoiled, um, truthfully, transparent. And so I had to be on the other end of being forgiven far too many times. And so even with my divorce and with other things that I've written about, it wasn't automatic, but it was automatic that it was going to happen because I knew that I needed to get that off of me. I needed to be free. Regardless of whether someone said they were sorry or if their actions matched words that said they were sorry, I needed to do it for me. And really, that's what forgiveness is. It's not about the other person. It's the gift that you give yourself to say, let me go on about my life because I did not want to carry anything with me left over into my new life. And so if unforgiveness or bitterness or regret or anger or would have, should have, could have carried with me, I wouldn't be where I am now. Um. So for anybody battling with whether or not they should forgive, forgive those people ain't studying you. And I, I'm, I was an English minor in college. But let me just say, the people that we're holding on to, they ain't studying us. They're not. And so we owe it to ourselves to let it go, to heal. You know, get counseling if we need to, but do whatever we have to do to get that, those emotions off of us, so we can be open to what's next.
0: Absolutely. And then to another area, which I think ties into that is prejudging and
1: misjudging. I you don't know. know anything about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I read that I laughed because I think, first of all, and you mentioned this in the book where we're honest with ourselves, we've all done it.
1: Oh,
0: mm-hmm. we weren't trying to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes, um, And, you know, we've been knowing each other a long time, so we can have real talk. Let's talk. Let me sit back. (laughs) I think sometimes we get to a place, whether we're in the church or not in the church, saved or unsaved, we get detached from reality. Mm -hmm. And we try to think that we're up here and we don't have any problems. Like, I'm just this big person. You know, I've never done this. But we've all misjudged and prejudged. And Can I talk about what that does when we do those things to other people?
1: It hinders you. When you misjudge people, when you prejudge people, it prevents you from the reason you were connected to that person in the first place. Um, two sides of that coin. I remember when I got the divorce, a couple, few, several people were like, I thought y'all were perfect. I was like, what? Nobody is perfect. And so there's that that mindset sometimes that we have, and you mentioned that, that people think that um, everything is wonderful for everybody when you put them on a certain level. And then also then there's a flip side of that where we prejudge or misjudge people and think they have nothing to offer. Think that their testimonies, their lives because of what they've been through is not meaningful to us or to anybody. And so either way you look at it, you're missing out on an opportunity to get out of it whatever you're meant to get out of it when you misjudge people and when you prejudge people um it's yeah that's not the thing to do
0: mm-hmm. and because i've always been a firm believer um people like you y'all taught us you get to know people for yourself mm-hmm. you never go by mm-hmm. what tells you of what you heard because mm-hmm. a lot of times and it's we're seeing it more and more when people speak today they're not speaking sometimes from a healthy place Mm -hmm. so if i've had a not so good experience with mary when when you speak to me sometimes Mm -hmm. i say it may be based on that experience yeah mary and i have had some good times but if i'm not healed then i'm only going to tell you the bad things about me right you gotta Mm -hmm. know people for yourself yeah yeah and then let's kind of go here um, you just said it, nobody's perfect. Think about how many times have we seen that. We put family members on mm-hmm. a pedestal, we put church leaders on a pedestal, we put just people that we are counted that we look to, we put them on a pedestal, mm-hmm. then when they fail or make a mistake, or in our eyes, do something that wasn't right, or as today's generation say, where'd they do that at? Yep. <laughs> It hinders us. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. how would you say it is important that we see these people as human beings and learn that you know they pull up their pants and skirts just like the next person?
1: You just said it, um, and, and that's truly it, Japal. And I talk about this a lot in the book. There is nobody that is perfect um, other than Jesus in my eyes. And so, you're right. We all get up. We put our pants on just like each other we all make mistakes and so again to place anybody on a pedestal or to make any assumption especially about things like marriage marriage is hard it is the hardest job anybody will ever have and you know talking about today's generation we have like hashtag squad goals hashtag relationship goals You may or may not want those goals exactly because you don't know what it took. Now, certainly marriage can be perfected and people can be perfected and made better. But to place anybody on a pedestal where they're not allowed to be human, where they're not allowed to fail, where they're not allowed to ask for forgiveness or ask for a second chance or to show a side of you that you may not be familiar with, that is unfair and people are humans. Humans are guaranteed to disappoint. From the highest of humans to the highest, they are guaranteed to disappoint. And so we do ourselves a disservice when we place anyone. Mm-hmm. And I, know oh, it used to drive me crazy when I was um, married to a pastor and there was the expectation that he was perfect or that I was perfect. That is so far from the truth. Um, we're, you know, In any leadership role or any role of authority, you have to give people grace, the same grace that we expect in our lives day to day, they deserve as well. And so I would tell anybody, be careful of placing anybody on a pedestal because when they fall or if they should fall, hyping them up too much, you don't want to be so close to that that you're damaged based on what happens and what's shattered. Um, so keep in mind people are humans, they're gonna make mistakes. That's why we have grace.
0: And you just said something key, and I have to say this, y'all. Everybody who's watching it that will watch the replay, we gotta be careful. And this doesn't that doesn't, you know, qualify for church leaders, even me. And I guess I think I looked at different it different once spotlights were on me, once I became a business owner and mm-hmm, people do tend to look at you different and it's already enough pressure on Mm -hmm. you do everything right y'all we don't need that extra pressure (laughs) yeah yeah it it can be a lot and to be honest at times it can be too much Mm -hmm. That's why you see a lot of leaders again in the church outside the church even celebrities there are times when you don't see any post on Facebook, Mm -hmm. um, they just want to be able to live their private lives Mm -hmm. without any of the facades. Because like you and I've just said, the same problems that they have, we have. Right. Between their life and ours, it's before our eyes, whereas people know some of the things about our lives, but they don't know everything.
1: You only know what people allow you to know. And so think about that. When you're thinking about putting somebody on a pedestal, you're getting whatever they give you. You're not seeing the full view. So, again, just do yourself a favor. Do not put anybody on a pedestal because, as you said, the pressure is intense. We all go through things, but to go through anything publicly um, is difficult for anybody. And so taking that pressure off of people is the best gift you can give to them and to yourself.
0: Exactly. And my dad just said something that I have to come in. He said, let people be themselves and accept them for who they are. That is definitely true.
1: That's wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Because to side note to that, when you really love a person, and that's what we're going to next, you it doesn't matter how what you want them to be, you're gonna love them. Mm-hmm where they are in mm-hmm. that same love as they continue to excel you should mm-hmm. keep it. so talking about love now this one i literally want to throw my book which one unlovable
1: oh
0: because <laughs> <laughs> there have been several people mm-hmm. in my life some of those relationships got allowed to reconnect and some, I can honestly say, I gave them a benediction. Another <laughs> place, I can pray for them without mm-hmm. praying and mm-hmm. prayers. Mm-hmm. But loving the unlovable. And yeah. people don't like to talk about it.
1: Yeah.
0: But it is something that we have to face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes people say, well, I don't have to love them. Yes, you do. You do. You do. You do. You do. The Bible says it. And then also to add to that, for your peace of mind, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times really, and then I'll allow you to chime in, people that have done us wrong, they've done the damage. Mm-hmm. they wrong with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. In our eyes, if it was good, bad, or ugly, they've gone on. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, because they haven't allowed themselves to be convicted, they're sleeping at night. Yeah. you are the up. Oh, if I can do this, yes, yeah.
1: plotting, getting your speech together, losing weight, all oh, of that right. while they're sleeping and eating. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, that one. And I, I tried to think about when I wrote that, I honestly think I wrote that when I was not actually loving unlovable people. But I wrote it because I wanted to get to that point. Because like you said, I wanted to let go of that. Plus, again, here comes the incorrect grammar. They once stunned me. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you think about loving unlovable people does not mean, as you say, that you have to invite them back in. You can give them the benediction. And I'm going to steal that. <laughs> you can give them the benediction and still love them because we are required to love. Um, and by love, it's seeing them as a fellow brother or fellow sister, regardless of what they've done, this is a human being. And we sort of built up to that, you know, forgiveness, not prejudging, not misjudging, having grace for people. And so when you take on that mindset where you can say, okay, it happened, I'm going to still love them. And sometimes you have to welcome them back in, especially if it's family. I know I'm not the only one that has had some unlovable family members that, You know, you just hunt your shoulders, hurting people, hurt people. And we know that Um, we also know that people grow. Some people are just downright evil and that's okay. We still have to love them. Now, the nature of where that relationship lands or what it transitions to is up to you and the Lord. But we have to love them. We cannot hold malice in our hearts towards anybody because it stunts our growth. it holds us back. As you said, they're in the bed sleeping and they may not be. They might be miserable, but that's none of our business. Our business is it happened. It hurt. Here's what I'm going to do about it. And let me keep it moving. Um, It's not easy. It's not automatic, but we have to do it.
0: And then so I think the thing that the mistake we make once we've forgiven, I know this isn't for some people that we've forgiven, because like I said, some people you just wanted to give them the benediction. Mm-hmm. Praise God, if you see them, it's six feet away. Sometimes yep. it's 12 feet. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes the mistake that we make, I've been guilty. I'm sure many watching have. Once you forgive a person, you feel like things should automatically go back to normal. Mm-hmm. If that was your lunch, buddy, oh, we can go back to yeah. the same as lunch. If that was your um friend to go hang out with. Yeah, we can do that, but you got to be careful. Yeah. Because if yeah. you give a person too much space, you're setting yourself up for the same thing to happen again. Yeah. And that second time, it may not be like the first time. Yeah.
1: It that's- usually is not mm-hmm. like the first time. It usually hurts worse. Um, but that's where maturity comes in. That's where discernment comes in. That's where you really think about what you've learned in that first oops. Right. And am I supposed to move forward? Am I supposed to move on? Are we supposed to pause? Are we supposed to remix? Those are questions that you have to be willing to ask so that you don't get burned again, but also so that you don't miss out on an opp- opportunity where it may be, OK, we are supposed to try this friendship again, but you want to do it wiser than you did the first time.
0: Absolutely. Because sometimes, simply, misunderstandings happen. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of times when we get in our feelings, Men and women deal with it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm not gonna apologize. The, the other party says, Well, I'm not gonna apologize. Or sometimes you have two people walking around simply mad at each other. I don't know why I'm mad at you, and you mm-hmm. don't know why I'm mad at you. So sometimes we just have to sit down and talk.
1: And talk.
0: Yeah. Because when you talk, sometimes you really realize, okay, we spent all this time mm-hmm. and doing all this kind of crazy stuff, giving each other the side eye, when really it wasn't even that deep the
1: beginning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the next part I want to spend um, time on, this is for all of my um, single people that are watching tonight. Um, you've been single, you've been married.
1: Yeah. And, and single.
0: Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> so, we're definitely going to hit all spectrums. So speaking to those single people, and I'm not going to, um, give away everything you mentioned to singles, but what would you say to those? Because I really think sometimes we, as singles, we do more damage to ourselves mm-hmm. than it should be. We put ourselves in an unhealthy place, wrong mm-hmm. people for So what would you say to those single people that are watching tonight? Be
1: honest with yourself. That is what I would say to single people. That's what I wish someone would have said to me in my twenties and thirties or teens. Um, Be honest. It is not too often that we're caught off guard. At least I wasn't when I was single or caught off guard in the sense of I didn't see the warning signs or I didn't know what I was entering into was not right. Or I didn't know I wasn't, I knew exactly. It still hurt, but I knew. Um, so be honest, be honest with yourself about what you actually want and deserve. Be honest with yourself when you see things that you know are not right, when you know this is not somebody that I can spend the rest of my life with. This is not someone that I want to bring around my family or my children, if you have children. This is not somebody I wanna grow old and ride around Publix in a scooter and and pick out peaches on a shelf when we're senior citizens with. Be honest with yourself, don't settle. And a lot of times for me, when I was dating, um, it was out of desperation. It was out of loneliness. It was not in any way. First of all, I did not consult the Lord at all, period. My list was so shallow um, and so full of things that did not matter, looks and money and cars and all of those things that matter, but they are not the priority in, all, in any way when you're looking at a person that you want to invest your life with um so i would say the most important thing is to really be honest do a self inventory make sure you're okay because you know god is not going to give his good gift to somebody that he knows is messed up Mm -hmm. and won't trust him to heal so if you know you're not over that past relationship or if you know you have scars and trauma do the homework on yourself first before expecting somebody to come in and rescue you. that That is, this is not, you know, the Lone Ranger where you come in and you rescue the damsel in distress or you rescue whomever. This is us being mature adults who say, I want to work on myself first. And in working on myself, I want to, again, be honest. I want to say, here's what I want, but here's what I need. Absolutely. I want to say, hmm, I can look at his Instagram and tell he is not the one for me and, and be okay with that. You know, a lot of, and I do a um, a small group with ladies that are divorced, single, widowed. So it's a lot of different variances of people that are single or um, have recently been single and are newly married. And you know, if the relationship starts out wrong, if he had a girlfriend or a wife or she had a husband, or, uh, mm, that's not what you want. If they're newly divorced, that's not what you want. So Recognize what's in you that you need to get rid of or improve or do better, and then be honest with the people, with yourself about the people that you interact with so that you don't set yourself up for failure. We can't say, oh, he was awful, you knew he was awful, speaking to myself, 20 year old Angela knew he was awful, but I proceeded anyway, because he had a nice car like that's, we. who does that? I did. It does not work. Um, so just really investing time, getting to know yourself is the best thing you can do and being honest with yourself as you're moving into the stages of relationships.
0: And then this was something that I was um, excited to see you put in the book because I don't think we as singles hear enough. Knowing that you are enough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again. Knowing that yeah. you are enough. How yeah. important is it? your opinion that you feel that we as singles know and realize that
1: we are enough. You have to know who you are before you try to connect with somebody else. My um, dad, and I mentioned him earlier, still to this day, and he is 76 or 77 years old. When I walk through the door, when he used to let me in the house before coronavirus, he'll say, you look beautiful. Like you're so smart. So I, I was not lacking in that area, but I see so many women who have never been affirmed, who don't have the ability to affirm themselves. Um, and even in my affirmations that I've had for now, 48 years, I still succumb to, am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I tall enough? Am I smart enough for whatever it is, friendships, relationships, et cetera. So I would tell singles, do whatever you need to do first of all to know who you are in god like know who he created you to be know what his word says about you but then you need to remind yourself of your resume like who are you from where do you come like what's your stock what's your dna what have you overcome what have you accomplished and the more you tell yourself that the more you remind yourself that first of all the devil's not going to send you any old body to try to get you off course because he knows I can't even send him or her to them because they already know they're not. mm -mm, No. But who doesn't need a reminder that they're more than enough when especially in this these two pandemics that we're in, um, especially the one that is based in social injustice as black women and black men, we still have to know, regardless of what some small facets of society tell us, We're more than more than enough, like more than enough. I was um, sending somebody my genealogy spread today, actually. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm from Ghana and Nigeria. I'm bad. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That meant something to me. Now, I don't know anybody from Ghana and Nigeria, but part of me is from there. I come from kings and queens. And so you've got to be able to affirm yourself. You've got to be able to know who you are so that anything that contradicts that, you can immediately recognize it and be like, mm nope, not gonna happen.
0: Exactly. And then let's transition here. I think a big part of knowing who you are and knowing that you are enough is loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, a lot of mistakes that we've all made, it came from a place of not loving ourselves, mm-hmm. trying to do this and that to get mm-hmm. admiration and praise of others. Mm-hmm. And we just said earlier, those people weren't us. us. Yep or less, they pretended that they did. So how important would you say that um, self-love is?
1: It goes hand in hand with knowing your worth. You have to know who you are and then love who you are. Loving who you are doesn't necessarily mean you like everything about you. You can change, enhance, grow, improve. But at the core of who you are, if I don't love myself, I can't expect my husband to love me. I mean, it just is no way, shape, form or fashion for that to happen. God is not going to jump over me, not loving me and let somebody else love what I don't love. It doesn't work that way because I won't ever be able to see what he sees. If he says, oh, I like your hair and I'm like, oh, my hair is ugly. Or if he says, I like your smile, I'm like, "Oh, my teeth because I had braces twice and they didn't work. If you're always tearing yourself down and not seeing the good and not just aesthetically, but just the good of who you are as a human being, no one else is going to be able to see it. Or if they see it, you're not going to be able to allow them in to love you fully because you don't love yourself. Mm -hmm. And so we have to know our worth and we have to love who we are. We're the only we we have like, this is all the Angela you're going to ever get. So I need to do myself a favor and embrace every part of me, And love who god made me and improve the things that i don't like or that i know need to be changed but at the core of it i'm good with me and we need to get to the place where we're good with ourselves we can be our own worst enemy sometimes
0: absolutely there's nothing worse than self-sabotage yes Yes.
1: yep
0: and see that's gonna have to be a part two so I yeah (laughs) (laughs) and let's transition to uh marriage um that's something you've been blessed to experience twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to pose this question. Um, what would you say to married couples now that you really didn't know or really grasped
1: mm-hmm. in your marriage?
0: That you learn
1: I like how you said I've been married twice.
0: <laughs> um, and as you say in the book, this the second word is it.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it um, I learned. First of all, I am so grateful and, and I say this as often as I can. I'm so grateful for my first marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it turned out was not what I could have expected. I'm not speaking on behalf of my ex-husband, but I'm sure he would say the same thing. But I'm grateful for all the lessons that I learned. I'm grateful for the relationships that I built. Um, I'm grateful for how I grew. And so I would say to any couple that is considering marriage or wants to be married or is married, that you have to build a foundation of friendship. Um, that is the core. That's the key. I don't like my husband's ways sometimes, like we handle our clothes differently when we take them off and we. You know, he doesn't cook and I—I I mean, there are all kinds of things that he's totally different than I am. I like looking at cooking shows. He likes looking at movies that have too many loud noises in it for me in basketball, which is what he's doing now. But at the core of it, that is my friend mm-hmm. and nothing else outside of that matters. Everything else is built off of that. And so for couples, that are engaged, or courting, or dating, or people who want to be married. Be with somebody that you can honestly say that you're friends. The quarantine has um, shifted our life in a lot of ways, one of which is that we are stuck in the house with each other. No, We've not been on vacations. We not been, haven't been to our parents' houses. Things that we would have normally been, been doing, we're not. Um, so the ability to be stuck with somebody and still love them and still want to be there, that's the kind of person that you need to look for because a pandemic can happen. You never know. So if you don't have somebody that's your friend, where you can laugh and be silly or say stuff that other people would think is weird and you too get it and that's all that matters, that's the kind of person that you want um, to be in it and then let God build the rest from there.
0: And then let's talk um, divorce, and before I say that, I don't think I've ever told you this before, but I have to say it, Um, after the the divorce, and I know this is not everyone's story, it happened, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that again, it happened, and the reason why I'm saying that, um, because we've been friends on Facebook, I think, since you got on, Mm -hmm. we never saw any bitter post from you? Mm-mm. Any Mm-mm. Post of revenge? Any, and oh, and you know, it can be different people deal with divorce, and let's talk about briefly how bitterness that can cause you more harm than good. Because yeah. for some people, again, that goes—you um you just said it best—not to having a prayer life and not to be in a place when you really don't seek wise counsel, yep. in God's word, these things can happen before you realize it. Yeah. Well, let's talk yep. about bitterness and how those things, as a result of the other voice, they honestly, they do more harm than good.
1: Yeah. You know, Japal, and after my divorce, my thought, And I I was raised this way, but I've I've not always been I've not always operated the way I was raised. Mm -hmm. Um, My natural tendency is to and I'm a good writer, too. So I could have easily written up some good stuff that would have had the Internet, as people say, all ablaze um, Mm -hmm. out of hurt or pain. Mm -hmm. But what good would that do? Right. What good would that do? Even in my imperfections, I wouldn't want anybody to to spill their goods, share their bitterness, share their disappointment in me that way. But from my divorce forward, I always thought I'm going to remarry. Like this is not the end of the road for me. And I want to set myself up so that my next husband, final husband doesn't think she's crazy. Like if something happens, she's gonna go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and blast me, blast us, blast it. And that's just not who I am, but that's not who I want it to be. So what I did with my pain is I wrote blog posts, 950 of them. And the best ones in this round um, ended up in life. Get be- life gets better book because it, it would not have served me any good to go on social media, even publicly out of my mouth. My friends to this day. They don't know what happened. And that's okay because I need them to as I'm healing and moving along, I need them to come along with me. I don't need anybody left over mad at somebody that I pray for and wish nothing but the best for. And so when you're mature and when you grow, I also did counseling. I'm a huge advocate of counseling. I did a divorce support group for two years. They had to kick me out (laughs) and tell me I'm so serious. They asked me not to come anymore because I was I didn't need to be there. But I did whatever I needed to do to heal. And I look at divorce like if I were to break my arm, God forbid, I would go to the doctor. I would get a cast. I would use medicine. I would go to therapy. I would use a splint. So when your heart breaks, what are you going to do so that it doesn't spill out onto social media and in your attitude? Because I did not want to be defined as that person, bitter Angela, messy Angela upset. No, mm -mm. I I need you to see me moving forward into life gets better. And I needed my new husband um, to be like, oh, okay, when we go through stuff, this is not how it goes down because I didn't want to be marked as that kind of person. And it breaks my heart when I see women and men who share those things on social media, not thinking about the long term.
0: Right. Absolutely. And that's very important. So um, after the divorce, Those who've been watching the show, probably, I would say, since our inception, you've heard me say over and over again, I'll say it tonight, and you hear me say it again, it is okay not to be okay. Mm -hmm. But you get to a place to know that, you gotta be willing to do the work. Yep. And like you said, counseling, Mm -hmm. you've heard me say that time and time again. And even if that sometimes means you need to see a psychiatrist, Mm -hmm. psychologist, go right. I said last week on the show, I think for so long in the church, we've heard that there's no such thing as mental illness. Give it to Jesus. Mm -hmm. just saw someone say, share this on Facebook today. I couldn't give it enough likes. The post said, and I may be paraphrasing it. It said, there are some things that you haven't been able to praise your way out mm-hmm. and shout out because you need to see a uh, psychiatrist. Yeah, And that is yeah. true. Because I think yeah. sometimes we're in the church, we go to service after service, thinking if we do this, do that, you know, people really won't see me if I just go and I exit and leave after service, if I go hang out with my friends. Sooner or later, that stuff is going to wear yeah. and tear on you, and eventually you will break. Yep. You have to be willing to do the necessary work. You have to be.
1: You have to. You owe it to yourself. Yeah, I, you have to.
0: And so let's talk after the di- divorce forgiveness after the divorce, because I know sometimes that can be challenging.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was the big eye opening moment that you had? said okay i can do this it's hard but i gotta do it
1: i think for me again it goes back to i just did not want to be that person that people were talking about me behind my back because i was still broken or you see me coming and all i'm talking about is what happened how it hurt was not fair i just did not want to be that girl i wanted to be the one that you knew what happened because people knew it is what it is Mm-hmm. You saw me through the good. You saw me through the not so good, but then you saw me emerge better and being able to forgive, I think is key. That was what I feel like unlocked me becoming the newer, better version of me. I'll give you a quick story. I have a, a younger sister who's nine years younger okay. Okay. and she's pepper and I'm salt. Okay. She's feisty. <laughs> I'm not. And she um, saw my ex-spouse at the airport and she was little sister mad (laughs) and I mean, little sister mad, really mad. And when she told me, I ended up talking her down. I ended up reassuring her. I ended up calming her down like it was her ex-husband that she had seen. And so growing to that point, where you can look at at things when you can hear, oh, I saw so-and-so, or this happened, and you're the one that, and I look at it as ministers to the other person over something that happened to you, that's when you know you've let go. And Mm -hmm. that's the place that you want to be in any, not just in marriage, but in any area where you've not been done right, or things have happened that have been disappointing, when you can grow to the place of truly, sincerely wishing the best for that person, Um, not allowing other people to desire wrong or carry on and be upset in the airport. I was like, girl, I am over it. I wish him well for real. Let it go. Um, That's a place of freedom that is so possible that we all want to get to and should want to get to.
0: That's awesome. And then um, let's go here because this was like very and I'm glad that you included this. Dating after divorce, and I love how you really expanded on the parts waiting now before you date. Because mm-hmm. I think so many times, people that are used to being married, they say, "Well, I gotta have somebody. I gotta have somebody." Yep. <laughs> as we talked about earlier. You're not whole, and when you go into a relationship, unwhole. If you're not careful, some of those same cycles. And things that you thought you worked past, they could still be there. Yep. So let's talk about waiting um, before dating after the
1: So I wrote that because I did not. Um, my husband now and I dated, we knew each other in 10th grade. We dated in the m- mid to late 90s. And then we met right after my divorce. And that was not the right time. Again, I told you, I went to um, divorce support for two years. I'm still figuring out things financially, credit wise, healing, all of those things. And I'll tell anybody, and we say this all the time, God knows what he's doing. Number one, and his timing is perfect, but I believe we hindered our progress with each other because I was just glad, number one, to meet him again on Facebook. And I have been used to being married for nine years. And so I think a lot of the path that we went to where we are now, which is wonderful, we could have avoided or could have done differently or could have done less longer than we did if I would have just simmered down somewhere, really worked on myself. And I did, but I was torn in my focus because I met this guy that I dated in 98 and was glad to know him. Um, So I tell anybody, take some time for yourself take time for yourself, take time to heal, take time to get to to know yourself. This new version of you take time to have the air as low as you want it to um, or to get up early or late if you want to get to know the new you and this season that you're in before rushing into something else. And. Doing that is not a guarantee that it will turn out, but it will at least guarantee that you're ready for whatever happens. Mm Um. So slowing the roll after divorce and not just divorce, just relationships in general. If you've been in a long term relationship or a meaningful relationship, slow down, slow down, slow down, be prepared to become your best alone so that you can be even better when you're connected with the right people or the right person. Take it from me.
0: Awesome. And then... um marriage again
1: i can talk about it all day
0: (laughs) so um and i kind of mentioned it before but what did you make the conscious decision to say well okay i've gone through this once and um because when i saw you after the divorce and you probably were still battling with some things you could see the strength you really could So going into um, your present marriage, Mm -hmm. what were some things, I'm not going to say that you felt like you've mastered, because I believe that every day in life, whether we're single or married, there's always going to be things that we're working Mm -hmm. through. But what are the things that you felt like that you had overcome and that this time around you were assured that things would be different?
1: I think the the most important thing is just going back again to knowing your worth i knew who i was i have i tell people all the time i've never been in a physical fight ever in my life but i have been in enough spiritual battles um but some battles like i didn't want this battle like i don't want this notch on my belt divorce and overcoming that i needed to be able to tell you how to be a billionaire or something like that not how to overcome the, you know, the breach of a marriage or the breach of a relationship, but I recognized my strength. I recognized me and God are good. We can do this with or without and old Angela possibly would not have seen that point of view. Um, you know, when I, I didn't just get a divorce and I write about this in life gets better. I got a divorce. All in one day, a divorce, I lost my church home. I lost my job because that's where I worked. I lost my insurance. I lost my cell phone coverage. Like everything was connected. My image, all of those things were connected. And old Angela would not have thought she could have come out of that. Mm -hmm. New Angela is like, I overcame that. There's nothing in this world that can happen that I cannot overcome because i know that god is going to continually be with me and so going into this marriage i was i had a a a renewed hope because i've seen god do so much that i I don't think when i i think i was 28 or 29 when i got married the first time you know he had done some good stuff for me but like we are god and i like this now so i knew him differently and i was prepared to be who he needed me to be for
0: the husband that I have now. The last section I want to talk about because we could go on and on, but I don't like I said, I don't want to give away too much
1: <laughs>
0: of separation. That was I open and when we think about that, um of course we think about marriage and relationships. But that could be friendships as well, even, Um, I know a lot of people, they're partnering in business. Yep. Ministry also. Absolutely. Ministry also. So before I give you the floor, y'all, you got to know when to say when. Yep. And when something appears, warning signs are there, let me say. They are. And the place I am now in life is something tags at you and tags at you and tags at you and tags at you. Don't ignore it. Mm -hmm. Don't ignore it. You may have to pray about it and get clarity because yeah you you really have to be careful how you handle the situation because that could cause problems as well. But again when you see those warning signs don't ignore them. Mm -hmm. It hurt I don't care how long you've been in relationship with that friend, that person, that lover, your boy, your girl, separation happens. And we don't like to admit it, mm-hmm. but at times it has to happen. So,
1: okay,
0: okay go ahead.
1: I was going to tag team off what you said. It will hurt worse right. if you don't hearken to what the Holy Spirit is telling you, what your discernment is telling you, what your gut is telling you. If you delay the inevitable, it's going to hurt worse. And I like to say, you know, the the enemy is not telling us to move out of anything that we're supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. And so if it is a, a nudging, and, and we know when it's time to move, and that's in any regard, we know when it's time to move. And there's a way to do it and not burn bridges and not hurt feelings. And sometimes feelings get hurt and you can repair later. But if you do not honor that gift of it's time to move, it's time to move, it's time to move, the damage that will happen later is far worse than any fear that we might have and having tough conversations or whatever might be preventing us from listening to what we're supposed to do. So yes, when you when you know it's time, it's time. And what's on the other side of that sacrifice that you make in that relationship or that association, What's on the other side of that is so much better than what you left, and and I think a lot of times we think separation has to be because something is bad. It doesn't. It could just mean your time is up. Somebody else needs to take that seat so that you can go to a whole sofa. And so holding on to a seat when you're supposed to have a whole sofa that um, delays what God desires. So when it's time to move, move. Absolutely. And
0: then you end the separation phase with the, um, I love the way you end it, you talk about friendships. Mm-hmm. We hear a lot of people, um, used to be a time where you would hear me women say it, but now I'm hearing a lot of men say this, which is amazing because I've, I, the average man, I've always felt like we don't let things like this bother us when a friendship or a relationship ends the average man, you know, we part ways. But yep. now,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not
0: the way society is now yep. is not like that. Friendship. When we hear people say, well, I don't need a friend. What would be your response to that? Or I'm OK by myself. What would be your response to that?
1: You see my side eye? Mm-hmm. No. So here's what I say. Jesus had 12 homeboys. If he had friends, whatever you want to call them, a crew, posse, homies, home, whatever. If he had them, we need them. Mm-hmm. Um, we cannot do life alone, period. We need people to walk along with us. We need people to walk ahead of us. We need people to walk behind us to push us forward. And so you, we owe it to ourselves to open up and to allow the right kind of people in our lives. Um, because you can't get where you're going by yourself. And so I hear no new friends. That used to irk me um, tremendously because society and life, and I understand people experience all kinds of pain. Right. And it's that pain that's speaking, that saying mm-hmm. you can't trust people, no new friends, all of those things. If Jesus had them, we need them.
0: Right. And then I think sometimes when we do um, experience pain with some people, we forget about those loyal and faithful friends mm-hmm. that are always mm-hmm. when you're mm-hmm. hungry, yeah. everybody in that yeah. pot and it's yeah. like our parents used to tell us when we were little the good has to suffer with the bad right and that's just not a good thing right
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Good. yeah because you're missing out on the people that are assigned to you by <laughs> painting everybody with the broad stroke of if this person hurt me all However, many people on the face of this earth are going to hurt me as well. Mm-hmm. And that's just not what life is meant to be. We are not meant to live life and do life alone. Exactly. And friends are cool. It's exactly. <laughs> good to have friends.
0: And then I've I'm, I believe in strongly you should your family is great. They're gonna be there always when nobody is there. But you need an outlet um, outside of that common family circle. Yes. You should have that. I would, I would say those three people that you can pour into, they can pour into you. Mm -hmm. They should make you, you all collectively should make each other better than you Mm -hmm. are.
1: Mm -hmm. Now
0: that person is always taking and using Mm -hmm. then. That's why you have to examine your circle Mm -hmm. very closely. Yes. So tonight, we talked about all of this good stuff pertaining to life gets better. But there may be someone watching or who will watch that says, Japal and Angela, all of that was good, I hear you, but how can you really convince me that life is going to get better
1: Mm to that person? So I start the book uh, talking about how I lived a life where I tried to, I tried to make everything look perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wore makeup, I always dressed up, I was always poised. I, at the age of 16, lost my first boyfriend to murder. And so to go from that 16 year old girl to now this 48 year old girl, and to be here with everything that I've gone through I hope that that lets people know that life gets better when you know divorce happens. And a large part of the book is about about divorce, but it also talks about a lot of the health challenges that I faced and that I still face to this day. Um, financial ruins, career—you name—you name you named it. Unfortunately, I can talk about it, <laughs> but I'm here because I need people to know that life gets better. It may not turn out the way that we desire or the way that we thought but it's the way God planned. And when you can get up every day with a smile on your face and determined to live that day and to take another step or to try again, that's proof that life gets better. And so that's what I hope that the book, um, especially, and I love people who don't believe it. Um, Cause then when I sort of give a resume of, oh, let me tell you what all I've been through and they're like, oh, and you're still smiling. Yep, because life gets better. And so that's that's the beauty of a testimony. That's the beauty of transparency. When I can say this was a mess, a hot, hot mess, but life gets better. Um, for those that don't believe it yet, and I've been there before, take it from me. It truly, truly does get better. And in the process, we get better. Right.
0: The last question, what advice would you give to your to 12-year-old Angela if you had a chance to sit at the table with her now?
1: So 12-year-old Angela wanted a jerry curl to fit in with everybody else at Homewood. She was 5'9", 100 pounds, didn't have braces, didn't have a perm, didn't think she was beautiful, didn't have a voice. She was super shy, super quiet. I would tell her just hang in there. Um, I don't even know that I would have said anything differently to me because because I experienced 12 year old Angela, I can tell a 12 year old somebody else. I know exactly what it's like to be an outcast. I know exactly what it's like to not fit in. I know exactly what it's like to be shy and to not like the way you look, but hang in there. Um, And so I would say to anybody who isn't where they want to be, hang in there. Hang in there. Believe for better. Do what it takes to become better, but don't discount where you are um, and value where you are. I guess that's what I would tell her. No Jerry Curl Angela at Homewood Middle School. Value where you are because that's going to help you have empathy and compassion for people who are different that you would not have had if you were popular. So that's what I would tell her. Hang in there.
0: Absolutely. And then this is a segment we started two weeks ago. And as I've um Everybody who watches and will watch, this will be something ongoing that we will do. So we are 64 days until the November 3rd election. Mm -hmm. Let our voice be heard and make your voice count. So in your own way, um, I want you to um, appeal to our audience, which is made up of a variety of ages, how important this is, this election is.
1: People died so that we can vote. Mm -hmm. people are dying literally in this moment in time. We're in the middle of social injustice that we've not seen in decades. And so November 3rd is critical. It is get up extra early, get the kids ready, fix breakfast the night before, get your clothes ready, get in the car and go vote, stand in line as long as you need to. We have to have to have to honor the sacrifice of our ancestors who fought so hard for us to have this right. And then we need to enact some change in this country so that we can have the right to live and that we all can be treated fairly and equally. And this country can can become who it needs to be for everybody in America. November 3rd is crucial. <laughs> it, is crucial. it is crucial. It is crucial. It is crucial. Vote. Yes, yes.
0: And you see the information on the screen. You can purchase Life Gets Better. It's available on Amazon in Kindle format and as a paperback copy. And tell people where they can find out more information about you.
1: So the blog post that has 950 other things written on it. There you go, right there, Um, (laughs) lifegetsbetter.net. It's a lot of stuff on there. So that really is where um, all of my life, at least over the last 10 years has lived on page and has lived at that website Um, and things that didn't make it to this book live there as well. So it's a lot on relationships and faith and money and careers and um, of course marriage and divorce. But that's really where you can learn more and know more. And then definitely you can get the book Life Gets Better on Amazon.
0: Exactly. And Angela is a great speaker facilitator thank um, you any phase you need her to do uh, you can find that contact information on the website i have enjoyed having you i have
1: too thank you so much
0: you are now part of the prospective family so we do look to have you on soon and i want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight and as always you can stay connected to us on facebook and instagram and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a lot of great things that are happening, and next Monday, next Monday's show, um, I list, I do look at your emails more than you all think. So you all have been asking, you've been saying, okay, well, we like your format of your shows, but we want to hear more from you. So oh, you're in for a treat. Um, uh, this will be a one-time thing for now, and I mean that. Um, Next Monday at 7 p.m., we're calling this Backstage with Japan. Um. I'll talk more about Divine Vision Entertainment. I know some of you have noticed a name change. We'll talk about that. We'll talk more about perspective, how this was birthed, and then I will also give you all a chance to ask me personal questions. Here's the thing, the email address that you see on the screen, that's info at divinevisionent.com. You have to get your questions in by Thursday. I won't answer any questions live on the spot so make sure you get those questions in. We're going to have fun on next Monday. Um, You all will hear a little bit about me growing up, so it's just going to be fun. So um, questions that you all have been wanting to ask, get those in. And as always, we encourage you to keep the faith. So how I normally end the show, I normally end with um, inspirational words just to carry us out. So this week's inspirational word I have three words for you. Life gets better. Keep the faith. Have a great week and see you next Monday. Good night.